going on, everybody? It's Jason Martinez. Welcome to a brand new episode. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. How about this? Episode 50. We started with Bet Parks, I think it was back in December. And we're at 50 episodes already. I guess it's almost six months ago. We did two a week, usually. And we're at 25, so we're almost at six months. 26 would be halfway through the year. So thanks to Bet Parks. Thanks to you. Thanks for watching. We have got a really big, big program today. Or as we stay in old school radio parlance, we got a big radio program today. <laughs> but um, we're going to get to our guests here in a minute. Tones takes today, as we give you every week, we'll give you some plays on the very pivotal Game 5, Rangers Lightning. Rangers now dealing with some pretty significant injuries. I don't know if they can overcome it. Obviously, the Lightning have as well with Braden Point, but there's a chance he could play tonight. So uh, we'll have Tone's takes, but also, as usual, Anthony DeMarco is going to join us from the fourthperiod.com and Anthony Sadvalipo from Crossing Broad and Snow the Goalie podcast. This coaching thing is like, it's it's crazy that uh, Bruce Cassidy is now available. I think the Flyers are um, interviewing him. They've been interviewing some some pretty big names. They haven't gotten to second rounds, according to uh, Frank Saravalli, just yet of the process. It looks like they interviewed former Detroit Red Wings coach Jeff Blaschel. Uh, Frank says that he believes Bruce Cassidy is on their list. I hope so. Um, and he did say, Frank, Flyers haven't reached the second round of their hiring process yet. But when they do, the expectation is that John Tortorella will be a part of it. We saw the tweet that John Butchergrass put out with a picture of Torts next to a, a side-by-side with Gritty, he broke the Taylor Hall trade kind of in a similar fashion. Obviously, nothing has been broken just yet, but um, I don't know what Butchergrass, I don't know what the motivation is in putting that tweet out if something's not imminent. But, and he obviously works with torts, but we'll get into all of that. And we're going to get into this Carter Hart thing, that this debate that kind of happened yesterday because John Kincaid and, and Jamie Lynch on the morning show on 97.5 The Fanatic were talking about trading Carter Hart. In a debate, I had a convert. I called John yesterday uh, after his show, and we talked for about a half hour. And I have some interesting numbers that I'll bring up in regards to that because I did a lot of research on it yesterday as well. Uh, but let me tell you about Bet Parks. And again, Tone's takes coming up uh, at the end of this episode. As always, uh, the all new Bet Parks app. It is awesome. Casino and sportsbook app is now live. I've, I've gotten into now playing live in game betting with the next goal scorer. You get pretty good numbers on it. Find the right guy. Like, if you've been riding Palat, holy shit. Enjoy the Shore House this summer. Um, so check it out. You can so many ways to bet on these games. And, you know, I like to bet exact score, first to score. I like to bet multiple point performers. I like to bet, you know, just the, the standard stuff as well. Money lines. I like to bet props, same game parlays. It's all there for you. Take it from me, the new Bet Parks app is, app is everything you want in a mobile casino and sports book right in the palm of your hand. It travels with you. Easy to sign up, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. And right now, all Bet Parks users can use the promo code JASON750, and you're going to get a risk-free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions do apply. Again, JASON750 for all Bet Parks users, and you get that risk-free bet up to $750. Bucks. Terms and conditions apply. So download the new Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So with Tone's takes, Anthony Sanfilippo is going to join us in a moment. But joining us right now from the 4th Period Magazine, 4thperiod.com, TFP.com, the one and only north of the border. It is Anthony. What's going on, Ant? 
Not much, buddy. How are you doing? I, I feel like I could go on today. I'm not shitting you for three straight hours. I feel like there's so much to talk about right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, you mean Flyers related or NHL yeah. in general? Mm-hmm. Well, like Flyers the Fly- and league. <laughs> well, the Flyers, it's kind of like you're speculating and doing your best to try and guess what the hell's going on. Obviously, Frank Saravalli puts out some tweets earlier, uh, just what was it, 20 minutes ago or something yeah. at the time that we were recording this. And it was, you know, so damn relieving in a way to finally get some names attached to what's going on. We know John Tortorella, we know Barry Trotz to an extent. But Jeff Blashill is getting an interview or got an interview. He believes Bruce Cassidy is going to be on the list as well. I know that the Flyers do have an interview this afternoon. Not sure with who, but I did get confirmation that they do have a coaching interview uh, sometime this afternoon. And uh, he believes that John Tortorella will make it to the second round of interviews, which I was told as well. Not that Frank needs any uh, confirmation from me. That seems obvious to me that that Torts is obviously going to be a finalist. Yeah, because we, we know that the Flyers senior advisors like him and Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren, he brings defensive structure, certainly has a track record. He'll bring accountability. And, you know, one of the Flyers main leaders now was a big fan of Torts over in Columbus. So there are a lot of dots to connect on the John Tortorella front. Yeah, I, I believe he is absolutely going to be a finalist. I think it's somebody that they all like. It's somebody that makes sense unless somebody else makes more sense. And Bruce Cassidy was kind of that big news ant, and, you know, he's now available. And, you know, it, it's also like kind of rehashing the conversation of shelf life of coaches because we know it's his second gig in Boston. He does a really good job. Like, he gets it, and he does a good job with it. I, I don't think he had a lot of depth there. He had the perfection line. He had McAvoy. In the earlier years, he obviously had Chara, and he had, you know, Tory Krug and some other players, but – I never looked at their lineup and said up and down, they're a really good team. I thought they had really good elements and I thought he got a ton out of them. So, I mean, he moves up everybody's list and now every other coach in the league, it kind of gets that feeling all over again. Again, like when Trotz got let go, like, Oh shit, I thought I was safe, but now that this guy's available, my owner may want to, you know, recruit up a little bit and get and get Bruce Cassidy. And I could be out of a job still. Well, Bruce Cassidy, I think under the radar has become one of the best coaches in the NHL over the last several years. Obviously, was Jack Adams winner in 2020, would have been on Team Canada's coaching staff had they gone to the Olympics uh, this year. And, you know, you look at that roster in Boston, to your point, not a lot of depth. You know, when you're rolling out Eric Howla as your 2C and you have Charlie Coyle as your 3C, that's not very... uh, I guess that's not a very strong or endorsing depth down the middle. They gave out some bad contracts in free agency. Guys like Nick Foligno, not a very good contract. Derek Forbert, probably a little overpaid for a third-pairing D. But, uh, yeah, I don't put Boston's failures on him. That's just an aging roster that is probably just coming down to the to the finish line for that group. Yeah. Joining us right now, too, from CrossingBroad.com, Snow the Goalie podcast, an old friend, Anthony Sanfilippo. And how you doing? I'm doing great, Jay. Thanks for the uh, text reminder. Yeah, I had a feeling that, <laughs> that, that it might have slipped your mind. <laughs> no, it wasn't that it slipped my mind. It's just that usually you send me a, send me that text, say, hey, just send you the link. And that's yeah, how I know when you know, the exact time to log in because you usually have that little preview, that commercial yep. you do, right? So um, it's usually, you usually tell me like a couple minutes late, right, to yeah. sign on. 
And I'm like, oh, well, I guess Jay's starting late. <laughs> <laughs> the It's been a scramble mode this morning. Like, Mike, it's the end of the school year. Like, you know what it's like. It's like chaos around here right now. I don't miss that. <laughs> yeah, I it's, it's bananas. You know, I got every one of two of my kids are having have their last year at the school they're at. So my daughter's graduating elementary school tomorrow. Of course, they have a graduation for elementary school. When I got out of elementary school, they were just like, see, go. <laughs> You've been here for six years, including kindergarten. Actually, seven. I uh, did second grade twice. Um, see, this is, so this, this should be a lesson for, for our, our young friend, Anthony DeMarco. Yeah. Okay. This should be a lesson. Jason yeah. is two years older than me and still dealing with elementary school graduation. Yeah. My children are all in their 20s. You got a lot, you got after it early, man. That's right, baby. Yeah, and now, right. I, now I can enjoy life. The man, you start, the quicker you're done. <laughs> you guys are old enough to be my dad, for God's yeah. sake! So like, oh my God, <laughs> my son is older than you. My older son is older than you. My oldest son is older than you. Yes. So my I am old enough to be your father, Marco. Uh, I'll be 28 in three weeks. Oh, actually, no, he's not older than you. I, he's, yeah. he's a year younger than you. Okay, it's my baby so, phase. That's I was 22 yeah. when you were born. <laughs> but i have a brother who's 16 today actually so uh, happy birthday I, I, to brother demarco yeah <laughs> no, i'll pass along the message yeah fuck um and and san filippo we were talking and i feel like there's just so much going on right now like you saw uh, frank's tweet that um the flyers have and it's reporting that uh, the Flyers have an interview today. It might be bruce cassidy they talked to blashill we know they talked to tortorella we know they've talked to trots uh, we know they talked to Volucci, who's a very interesting guy. I was talking to Bill Meltzer about him. Yeah. And he he might be the right guy. I don't think he'll end up being the guy because uh, – and I don't care who the guy is. I want it to be the right guy. They're not going to get the right the guy. does the brass want the right they're guy? Not gonna get, they're not going to get the right guy. This is too, there's too many big names out there to yeah, not They're, they're to not, not going to get the right guy. They're just not. Well, look, look, they might get the right guy. But it right, but but the the guys with lesser means aren't yes. really going to have a chance, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know, you guys know how it is, right? We're in the NHL. This is the the old boy network. Mm-hmm. We all hire, we all keep rehiring until we run out of t- spots. Like Philadelphia guys. Radio. Yeah, <laughs> it's very incestuous. <laughs> incestuous. And then you could finally, at that point, you know, once once somebody's been you know used up enough and and you know can finally be dumped into the into the trash can, then oh, okay, now we can give somebody else a shot. Yeah. Um, but no, usually, usually those guys have to start with. And it's funny because I'm going to say this, and you're, you're going to say, "Well, aren't the Flyers? Doesn't that describe the Flyers?" But those guys usually have to start with really, really bad teams, right? But what I mean by that is really bad teams that don't have a an iconic history. <laughs> is that fair to say? Yeah. Like the, the Flyers are a really bad team, but the fact of the matter is, is they are still the flyers, no matter what, even if the bloom is off the rose a bit, they are still the flyers. It is still an attractive name. Um, nationally, it might not be so much here in Philadelphia, uh, but nationally it is still an attractive, it's a huge name. brand, right? Huge it's a brand. huge brand. And so therefore, when even no matter if the team's bad or not, you're going to, you're going to go get the name coach. You're going to go yeah. get the name guy. That's just what the, that's just what happens here. And so the question then becomes, is is the name guy the right guy could end up being so you might be right i mean it could could work out um but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is like you, you might be better off rebuilding with somebody who's kind of you know young and new and a different approach and, and that could ultimately be the best course of action for this team but they're not gonna they're not gonna go in that direction they're, they're they have a pecking order 
And I think we know pretty pretty much what the pecking order is, although Cassidy now throws a little bit of a wrench into that. And where does um, he fit into it? I think if, I, if I'm ranking, if I'm ranking, I put him two. Um, yeah, so you go Trotz, Cassidy. And then, and then Tortorello, I would Tortorello. put third. If you're, again, if you're going with the, you know, the, the, the retread belief, right? <laughs> you're going, but I mean, not, yeah. I don't want to say retread. Experience three, belief. Right. All three guys are, are, are good coaches. So it's not like we're saying like they stink and they just keep getting jobs. Um, they're all good, co- really good coaches. And so if you have to rank them, um, the, the experienced coaches, yes, I would go Trotz, Cassidy, uh, Tortorella. Although I, I don't know if their thought is Cassidy ahead of Tortorella. I have not been told that. So I, that's just my, how I would do it. And I think most of us probably would. I don't know what you guys said about this. I'm tr- sure you guys probably agree. Have either of you guys ever, I don't ever remember a situation where the two things are happening simultaneously. A, the coaching search is dragging and nothing's happening other than guys being relieved of their duties because of all these big names out there. And B, that you're having a coaching free agency class that is going to outshine the player free agency class 10 times to one. Mm-hmm. What you do in free agency with these coaches may be more, more impactful for your NHL team than any free agency signing that happens this offseason. I have never seen a field with the names that we have from DeBoer to Tockett to Cassidy to Montgomery to Trotz to Torts. I mean, it is incredible. And, and you're not even, that's why you're, you're not, not hearing AV's name. He doesn't want to be part of the mix. And you're not even counting the guys who have a little bit of baggage in the sense of Quenville or Babcock, right? I yeah. mean, you, you want to throw them into the mix too. Holy hell, you really got a, a collection of free agent coaches that is maybe the best offseason. It could be the best offseason ever if, in fact, those guys were to get jobs as well. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just five it's openings right now. I think there's really realistic probably – eight to 10 openings where they have a coach, but if they can get one of these guys, they would take them, mm-hmm. whether that's Trotz or Cassidy now. And then you also have the three interims in Chicago, in Florida. And um, I guess the, it's kind of resolved in at Edmonton ant. Yeah. I mean, I, well, which ant first of all, yeah, I was thinking he's going to you. <laughs> right, I'll call thing. Anthony yeah. DeMarco is Anthony and San Filippo is ant. Perfect work. We're booking well, you two pricks again. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, you don't fit anymore. You got to know. <laughs> but uh, I no, a, I have a middle initial that's Jay. Really? What's your there middle you name? Go. Joseph. Oh, nice. nice. Um, but yeah, I would assume that Woodcroft comes back. Like he really turned around that Edmonton team and he's been with the Oilers organization for, I think he was an assistant coach when Todd McClellan was still there, if I'm not mistaken. Then went down to Bakersfield, I think that's their AHL affiliate, and came up and like, yeah, I mean, he's kind of like an interim in the same way that Marty St. Louis was, at least in yeah. my opinion, that, you know, they're interim, but they're probably just going to stick around. Even Andrew Brunette in a lot of ways. Like, could you guys see them changing Andrew Brunette down in Florida? Not, not before they got swept in the second round and only scored three goals. I think it's unlikely now. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, to me, that, it's not lock stock. I mean, if yeah, you can get Trotz there or Cassidy, then yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting thing because, I mean, yeah, he, they they did have a bad playoff the second round there. But let's keep in mind. Let's put in, put in, put it a little bit into perspective. Okay, this guy comes in in a very tumultuous situation yeah. and keeps keeps the boat afloat. Not only keeps it afloat, has them finish with the best record in in the in uh, in the conference um 
and th- you know then um it had them playing great hockey even at the end of the season yeah. and when they and when they did go into the tank it was against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions so it's also not like cross state rival though too yeah i mean it's not it's not like it's not like they went into the playoffs and just collapsed against you know the number 8 yeah, Columbus. Team, right yeah exactly <laughs> so i think i think Burnett deserves another shot i mean that's kind of a that's kind of a cruel it would be a cruel move to get rid of him at this point. Although um, the, the one one part of this is for any potential coach, it's such an attractive place to go, obviously yeah. because of the roster, a ready-made roster, and no income tax in Florida. It's a great situation that any coach – It's Florida. You, it is Florida. I mean, that the building weather, is going right? to have 7,000 people at the beginning of next year, despite the fact that they may be a really good team. But no, no but it's but no, but I mean, it's it's the it's living in Florida. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a that's great a lifestyle, too, right? You like to fish, that's why Quenville went. He likes to fish, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be it's so incredible. This free agency class, I don't know how this musical chairs all ends up finishing up, but when uh, Ant. This is San Filippo now. We'll remember. Yeah, this is gotcha. our uh, uh, car- key card. I paid when do you think we first we finally begin to get movement? Are we looking after the cup final and just before the draft? Well, so so here's the thing. It has if it doesn't happen in the next four days, it's not going to be until after the cup final because the NHL has it's not a rule. Yeah, because it because it has been broken before. Has an understanding, but it's a, mostly an understanding that we don't want to break any news to take away from the attention on the final. The okay? and, and so I think in this case, it would be after. And the reason I say that is obviously everyone's waiting for the first shoe to drop, which is Barry Trotz, right? So everybody's waiting to see where he decides he wants to go. Once he decides and you get an announcement, even if even if it was, let's just say, for example, it's Winnipeg. And let's just say Winnipeg goes, okay, we're going to announce it anyway. To hell with that rule. We're going to say we're hiring a coach and it's during the Stanley Cup final. Well, then everyone else is going to want to do the same thing, right? Everyone else is going to go to their next one on the list. Okay, who are we hiring then? Bah, 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 bah. And you, they're going to come in rapid Dominoes. succession. Yeah. And and because of that, I don't think – I think the NHL is really going to be certain to make sure that this holds off. So unless we get something here in the next few days before the uh, Tampa-New York series finishes up, I would say that we're waiting until after the finals before any team makes an announcement on a new coach. And then it could come in, and like you said, in very short order. Yes. Where things just, one guy gets announced and it's almost like, you know, the trade deadline. That guy's off the market. Okay, now we go to plan B. And teams just start making these signings, if you will. They don't want the shine to come off because the ratings, I sent this to Anthony DeMarco yesterday, and the ratings for the league, and let me read this to you. This is ESPN's ratings, mind you. Um, ESPN is now averaging 2.24 million viewers for the Lightning Rangers NHL Eastern Conference Finals. That's up 61% from the first four games of the Lightning Islanders matchup last year across NBC, NBCSN, and USA Network. Game four averaged 2.34 million uh, viewers in that game. I mean, the league is getting more eyeballs. ESPN will do that because it's on in every sports bar. It's a channel that everybody knows where it is. It's the worldwide leader. And I imagine the numbers on TNT are equal, maybe if not better, because I think they're actually presenting the game better um, than ESPN. But the league is is up, and they want to capitalize on that as well. 
Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think that the, I think everything you said there is correct. But I also think you, you tie in the fact that there's there's two other factors that I think are, are being missed here. One is the Rangers. Well, it was the Islanders last year, so it's still the New York market. Yeah, but it, it's the Islanders are like the Mets to the Yankees, yeah. right? I mean, they're yeah, the, they're the secondary team. Okay, mm-hmm. no matter how you slice it, yes, it's that market, and yes, that market will pay attention. But there's just that many more people will watch with the Rangers than the Islanders, just like that many more people will I watch agree. the Yankees than the Mets. Okay, so that's number one. But I also think number two, and this is something that we you, you probably don't even think too much about, but I think NBC knew that they were done, right? I mean, they knew yeah, at they that were time mailing they were it done. In. Yeah, they, they, right. I mean, it, it had already been announced that they were that NHL was going the new yep. route. Um, again, the NBC mailed it in. They didn't promote it. They didn't advertise it. There was nothing. And so because of that, I think that those numbers were a little bit lower than maybe they should have been, even though it was a New York market and a defending Stanley Cup champion playing each other. So I think you you, you combine those things together. And that's why you're seeing the surge that you're seeing here. This is probably what the NHL market really is. I mean, this is to see the numbers that they're getting for this series. This is probably what you're, you know, the only thing I can't think of much that would be better other than if it was like, you know, two of the major markets in the East. Like if it was New York and Philly or Philly, Pittsburgh or New York, Washington, Boston, you know, Boston right? You know, yeah. Mont- even, you know, get Montreal, Toronto. Well, if, if, well, if you if, get Chicago in there, too, that's another one of those teams, right? Yeah, well, but they're a Western because we're looking at yeah. the conference final here, right? So, yes, yeah. yeah, so it would have to. Oh, good point. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if we're looking at Stanley Cup, sure, for, for, for sure, Chicago yeah. would be part of that. But as far as a conference final, yeah, unless you're, unless you're really kind of locking in two of the major markets, then this is probably what your, your number is. You're, you're probably not getting much more than what, what you have here. But this is good. This is good for the NHL. Um, good for and- HRR. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's why ESPN was so important to get, to get back on board. Yeah, Anthony, up in uh, Canada and Europe and Montreal, has there been more buzz this year than there was in past years? You know, because now we're kind of removed from the bubble a lot more. Things are way more normal. COVID testing and all that stuff is not part of the equation, the distraction. It's almost like you've taken a little bit of politics out of it in a way as well. Not that that's as a prominent you know, in Canada as it was here, certainly not. But what's the buzz like up there north of the border? Well, there is more buzz because, you know, for you guys down in the States, like last year, it was pretty much back to normal around this time. But, you know, the conference final was being played with 500 people at the Bell Center. I think the cup final had maybe half capacity, if that. Like it was still like COVID lockdowns and we were kind of in that right up until maybe December of this year. (laughs) Yeah, last (laughs) week, basically. And I do think that the Rangers are generating more buzz, not just because it's the New York market, but also just because like, let's call a spade a spade. The Islanders last year were not a fun team to watch, right? They're boring. They're a boring team, and the Rangers are a young up-and-coming team. One of the best defensemen in the NHL, Artemi Panarin, as my cat had butts my computer, and and you know, like one of the Shesterkin, best. Yeah, Durkin, like just a very fun new team. The Rangers have been kind of a bottom dweller for what three years now. The Islanders have been in back-to-back conference final, and now you're seeing them put up a really good fight up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's good, exciting hockey to watch. Not to say that it's a track meet like we saw in the Western Conference Final. But in addition to what Ant said about the actual market, I do think that the Rangers are just a more exciting team. You couple that with, you know, more more normalcy in the world, and it just makes a lot of sense. And I do think ESPN's broadcast is better than NBC's. 
and you know you jumble all those things together and it just makes for a better product let's see T i think tnt is kind of leading the pack i was really skeptical and that tnt was going to be able to come in we all said okay the best show in sports is inside the nba yeah you know with barkley and shaq and ernie and kenny the whole group right it's phenomenal because it's legit like it's not planned and it's just off the cuff but real uh -huh. and really good and you know we thought the tnt was going to try and do something like that i thought in the beginning of the season it was like they were trying too hard to be irreverent but i think they really settled in and i gotta i'll give a guy credit and i'll give paul bissonette credit for a plug player that he was to be one of the best line mates that wayne gretzky has had because they sit him right next to gretz and Gretzky is saying something. And I think it's the comfortability that Biz brings to the table, plus talk, because Gretzky and Tocket are very close. But yeah. I think that they've done a good job of getting the biggest name who really never said much to be impactful with what he says and the way that he is used on that TNT show. I think Gretzky's been great. And I think a lot of credit goes to Tocket. I think a lot of credit goes to Liam McHugh. And a lot of credit goes to, to Paul Pizanet. I, I, well, the credit really has to go to the, the the people at TNT who put this group together, right? I mean, yeah. when you really want to think about it, I mean, good group. Well, so that so that's the thing. I mean, they were able to identify what worked with inside the NBA, and say, okay, well, we're not going to be able to replicate that because it's a hockey's a different sport, right? It's mm -hmm. just it's just it's not the same, um, and you're not going to get guys sitting there. Uh, you know, doing the stuff that that Shaq and 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 Kenny and and uh, Charles Charles do with each other, but we could find something similar. Our so, version, facsimile, right, exactly. And it was smart to find people who already had a pre-existing relationship, and I think that was that was really where it, you know they obviously wanted Gretzky because that that's the gravitas, right? They bring yeah. you're bringing in the name, the greatest name in the sport, okay. But, well, who's going to make him comfortable? Who is he going to be at his best with? That's what they did. And that's that was the brilliance of putting this group together. Casting it. Yeah. It was, they, they literally cast the show. Yeah. Um, and it made it really, really good. And, and it, it, it is superior to the ESPN studio show. No doubt about it. Yeah, Chelios I, and Messier, oofa. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, as, not as good. Great not players. Not great analysts. Yeah, not as good. So I so I give TNT a lot of credit. That said, the actual game coverage, I like ESPN's coverage better than TNT. It's from, from a play call perspective. Play call stuff. perspective, yeah. Just like the whole thing, like knowing knowing where you know the replays, like which replays to go to quickly. I mean, yeah, Mc, I McDonough I think, and Ferraro are very good together. Yeah, I think I think they I think they've been they're more experienced at it. Maybe TNT catches up eventually and and, yeah. and passes them. Um because they're because they are smart in that regard, but I, I do think that the actual game presentation favors ESPN still. Uh, yeah, they're, they're so seasoned in presenting yeah. sports. TNT is, but not to the same level. Right. I mean, that's what ESPN does. My only problem with ESPN is the uh, underutilization and wrong utilization of Brian Boucher. Yeah, because he's I, a star. I agree. He's excellent. Yeah. He's excellent, and it's just they're not using him right. Um, Maybe they'll figure it out. Yeah, hopefully. Um, let's talk about Carter Hart, guys, because on the radio yesterday, I saw this clip that went around from the John Kincaid show, and him and Jamie, uh, one of the other guys on the show, Jamie Lynch, were having this debate about Carter Hart, about 
do you trade him? You can get something for him. He's your most valuable piece. I don't think he's at peak value right now either. I just don't. And again, I don't think that any player on the Flyers is untouchable. After you've had the past two seasons that they have had, there is no player that's untouchable. You're talking about a 23-year-old goaltender who's on a contract right now that pays him 3.97 for this year and next year coming up. And then in 24-25, he is a restricted free agent. Now, let me bring this up, too, because I don't know what his next contract looks like, but peak, I think it's somewhere around six, six and a half, his first RFA contract. The goalie that got, as Bush is calling me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a sec. Uh, Bush, were your ears ringing? Because I just talked about you as we're taping Stick to Hockey Live. Oh, is that right? Yeah, you're on, you're on the <laughs> show right now. Good thing, good thing I didn't come on. I just well, I'll just tell you what I said because we're taping this. You couldn't have even seen it, and I said, "I my only problem with ESPN is the underutilization and lack of proper utilization of Brian Boucher in these playoffs." Your thoughts? Ah. <laughs> 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 Way to put him on the spot, Jay. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> I'll call you after the show. All right. <laughs> How weird is that? And we're taping this. This isn't live today. So yeah, um, anyway, so let me go back to this with Carter Hart. I will tell you that in the past 15 years, there has not been a goaltender in the NHL. Only one goaltender in the NHL has won a cup making over $6.1 million. That was Vasilevsky last year. Two years ago when Vasilevsky won it, he was only making four. He got the big uh, eight-year contract extension at nine and a half. Before that, the highest paid goalie to win a cup was Holpe at 6.1. Murray was only at 600K. Marc-Andre Fleury, 5.75. Bennington, 650K because he came out of nowhere. You're talking about Corey Crawford made $6 million for one of the cups, made a 2.6 for the other cup that he won. Quick made $1.8 million for 2012. And in 2014, made 5.8. By the way, that was year two of a 10-year deal, which he's still in. Talk about great value. Tim Thomas, $5 million. It's hard to pay a goalie a ton of money and have the money left over to build a full roster, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I've said for a long time that I don't think that you have to back up the Brinks truck for a goaltender. Like, obviously, if you can make it work, like Tampa has done, we saw what value it brought for the Montreal Canadiens last year with Carey Price, who pretty much dragged them there single-handedly. That's great, but I just think that there's a long list of values that you just need adequate goaltending. If you just have a goaltender who's not going to lose you games single-handedly, and not to say that you could throw me in the net and be okay, but you just need, in my opinion, an above-average goaltender who can just not lose you games. Like, hell, the Blackhawks won with Antti Niemi. You know, we saw Corey Crawford win That was one of you. the worst goaltended finals I think we'll ever see, though. Oh, 100%. Like, that obviously is a big outlier, but even like before that, like when the Anaheim Ducks with one with J.S. Jaguar, Jaguar yeah. had his time in 2003 when he won the Conn Smythe. But in 06, 07, J.S. Jaguar wasn't like an all star. We saw the Bla uh, the Red Wings win with Chris Osgood again in 2008. Before that, you know, with the Carolina Vernon. with <laughs> yeah Vernon in 1997, was it 70, that he yeah. won? And then, you know, even when we saw the Carolina Hurricanes win their cup with Cam Ward. 
was Cam Ward ever like an elite level goaltender? But he played like an elite goaltender. I mean, they go on a goalie can go on a heater. Like Cam Ward, when he can't, he didn't start the playoffs for them that year. Yeah, was it Gerber who started? Yeah, for Martin them? Gerber. They, they lost their first two games. Cam yep. Ward comes in and they go all the way, right? Well, same thing. Same thing happened with Holpe. He didn't yep. have the crease when they started that year, yeah. and then he comes in and he gets hot. And you, you need goaltending to win it. But you're right. Like you can get that top level goaltending from a guy that's not getting paid top level money. Well, like Brian Boucher just called you. Like he had a a few good runs, like especially in 2010, like he was damn good against the Jersey Devils in the first round. He got them through, what was it? Four or five games against the Boston Bruins. Like Boucher. Six, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the first game that Michael Layton came back from injury, ironically enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like he, Boosh was never like a, he, he was hardly ever a starter aside from his first couple of years, but he got on a few heaters and one time it got them through a round and a half. So I think that it is a dicey, I guess, uh, experiment or not experiments, not the right word, but a dicey thing to do when you pour a bunch of money into a goaltender, like the lightning have done with Andre Vasilevsky. But there are times where like in the case of the Tampa Bay lightning, where the goalie is just so good that you might as well do it. Let me ask you, I'm going to go off on a small tangent, but uh, since you just brought it up, Anthony, (laughs) that route, um, what do you guys, do you guys think Flyers do better against Chicago if Bush doesn't get hurt? Absolutely. Can they they win the cup in 2010? Well, the thing is, is that against Montreal, Leighton was great. Three of the five games are shutouts. Yeah. But in the cup final, he wasn't great. And yeah. it, it happened right away, Memorial Day weekend of 2010 in Chicago with uh, those games and how crazy they were. Yeah. The first game was, what, 6-5? Yeah. I think. Yeah. And Boucher actually came in for the third. Like, look, how many guys from those teams have said it? I know Richards has said it. I think Upshaw said it. No, Upshaw wasn't on the team. I'm missing the other guy who said it. But I know Mike Richards had said it, that, like, if Ray Emery – wasn't hurt who was their starting goaltender that year and people forget that before he got hurt that year he was playing damn well like i remember there were talks that he was maybe going to be the the third guy for team canada going to vancouver over mark andre Fleury. but then if you compare with brian boucher i think that boucher just had more pedigree he was probably more used to that kind of vibe like was he not their goaltender this is before my time but was he not their goaltender against new jersey in the conference finals in 2000 yeah yeah so he was kind of battled he was kind of battle tested i think he went on to be a starter in arizona for a few years if i'm not mistaken set the nhl record there with five consecutive shutouts yeah so like boucher obviously in 2010 he wasn't a starting goaltender anymore but he was more battle tested for those types of big game moments and you saw him really step up in like the the last game of the season in 2010 he stares you know lundquist right in the eye beats him in a shootout plays really well against new jersey played well against boston and Michael Layton, you know, they basically found him off the street, <laughs> you know, and people forget that he had already had one tour of duty with the Flyers in 06, 07. So, I mean, I, I feel bad saying it because, like, you couldn't really ask more of Michael Layton, given what he did and where he came from that year. But I think so. I think that Bush was probably just more battle tested to be put in a high pressure situation like that. I yeah, totally I think I, I think back to that game one, um, Jay. Six, five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's funny because you know I'm 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 on a separate note I'm I'm doing this 
you know, 50 greatest calls in Philly's history right now for crossing broad in another sport. And the same, it was, that was the same night as the Roy Halladay perfect game. Yeah. I was watching uh, it with Don Cherry yeah. in the, in the bowels of the United center because they were all interested in Roy Halladay because he yeah. put, pitched in Toronto. Pitched in Toronto. Right. So it was kind of, it was kind of like we were all kind of doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the one thing I do really remember about that game one is the flyers were all over Chicago yep. the entire game. And yeah. and it just seemed like it was one goaltending breakdown after another that allowed the Blackhawks to score. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, if they had any other legit goalie in in this game, the Flyers win this game. And that series is totally different if you and take it's a whole different on the series road. if you're up one zero on the road. Yep, whole totally different agree. series. So that, well, like that's he, the one that really sticks. And then obviously, I mean, everybody's going to talk about the Kane goal in Game Six, which was kind of a crappy goal to let up, but. At the same time, by that point, it's you're in game six overtime. I mean, anybody can win that, right? So it, it was really, to me, the game one, and that was the one that was the difference. I think that the Flyers were the better team and ended up losing a, losing a game that they they probably were, they probably deserved to win. Yeah. It, it's amazing. It, you know, winning a cup is really difficult. It's even more difficult now than it was even just back in 2010. It, it's You got to have your team playing its best. You got to have health. You got to have your goaltending. And you got to have a little luck along the way. Craig Berube's talked about that on here before uh, in St. Louis. You know, they had some breaks. You, you got to get some breaks along the way as well. But the Flyers, since they won the back-to-back Cups in 74 and 75, in 76, they went back to the final. They lost to the Montreal Canadiens, who won four straight Cups. They went back to the Cup final in 1980. They lost to the New York Islanders, who won four straight Cups. They went in 85 and 87 and lost to the Oilers, who won four Cups in, what, six years. They they go in 97 against Detroit. Detroit wins three cups in five years. They go in 2010, and they face the Chicago Blackhawks, their first cup, three cups in five years. All dynasty teams. That's crazy. It is. I, I've, I've not found a comp in any sport. None. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Like Because since 1976 have more teams like aside from let's say like the Oilers and the Islanders and the teams that actually won the cups has any team been to the finals more than the Flyers no no six finals parents that's insane it's crazy and then obviously since 2010 things have kind of fallen off the rails and and I think that's the mostly the the tough part about what has gone on here the last six seven eight years is because even though they weren't winning cups they were just constantly a relevant team and there a lot of people often say like you know the the nhl is a better place when the canadians are good the nhl is a better place when the leafs are good all true but the nhl is a better place when the flyers are a good team yes and there's a huge flyer contingent north of the border there's flyer fans all over the country you see it when they travel yeah we've talked about this before right i mean we've said it like up there the flyers are considered the the next team outside the original six Oh, yeah. Everyone always talks about that. Like, uh, there's a lot of people I know here that uh, are Flyers fans. I've actually played ball hockey with um, Bill Clement's nephew, who lives in Montreal still. Like, he's a big Flyers fan. Like, I mean, there's several people that I've run into in Montreal that are just big Flyers fans, and even in Toronto and all that. But absolutely, they're the next team after the original six. I guess now you could kind of make the case that Pittsburgh has kind of overtaken them because of what they've done over the last 15 years. And the big names that they've had with Lemieux, obviously, and Crosby. and Exactly. But, like, you know, success really it cures a lot of things. Winning cures a lot of things. And it's getting to a point now where 
I mean, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think you're starting to kind of knock on the door of like, is the lack of winning the last six, seven, eight, nine years in Philadelphia starting to supersede the legacy of the brand? Yeah. And, and that's, let's go full circle here. That's why Vellucci doesn't get a serious look at getting this job. For sure. They need that big name guy there to make them more relevant. You know, you ended up with Elaine Vigneault, who's obviously a very big name, went to a cup final with Vancouver back in 2011, you know, coached in Montreal, coached in some big markets in New York. And, you know, that didn't work out. Then they got to get this one right. This is a pivotal time for the organization. One last thing before we get to Tone's takes. Um, And I know you put out, Anthony, I know you put out a tweet and a poll regarding James Van Riemsdyk. And, you know, you look at the situation with Van Riemsdyk, last year of his contract, $7 million. You can eat up to half of it in a trade. He is a guy that led the Flyers in goals with, I think, 25 um, to me, he could be a movable guy to, to the right place, but you may have to eat some of that money. I, and I, I think I agree with you. I'm pretty sure this is your stance. I don't give up any assets to move him, not in this situation, because with the 2023 draft looming, even if I'm talking about that 2024 first round pick you got from Florida, that's still equity that I can use in the 2023 draft if I need to move up a couple places and get a target. Yeah, well, like Van Riemsdyk, I think the, the the I put out a tweet that like, and it was kind of piggybacking what Ann had brought up on Snow the goalie, of like, do you use the twenty twenty four first round pick to get rid of him? And I think the only way that I would even consider that is if you get back a second round pick in this year, or next year's draft. This year, because you don't have what, a second round pick this year or next year. Yeah, they don't have a second year. round pick in any yeah. of the next two years in either of the next two years. So I'm saying, like, if you could get out from the contract, liberate some cap space to bring in a big-name free agent and get a second-round pick this year or next, then I would consider it. Because that 2024, that could potentially slide to 2025, right? It's top 10 protected. Correct. So, like, if you're getting a draft pick back this year, and let's say you're dumping them to the Arizona Coyotes, just for argument's sake, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they have a San Jose second-round pick, and San Jose is picking where exactly? Are they in the top the 10? Middle of the pack. Well, I don't like, think they're top 10. I think they're probably around like 12 or 14, I would say. So let's say hypothetically you could get a San Jose pick this year. Would you rather a second round pick this year in the early 40s or a first round pick in the 20s two years from now? And you're also taking away JVR's cap space for this year that could help you out. That's something I would consider just because you are right that you could use it as equity for next year or a trade down the line in, let's say at the 2023 trade deadline or the 2024 trade deadline. But I think that's something that I would consider just because they are lacking the draft picks in each of the next two years. Yeah, I, I would, I'll use a different team because, and I agree with you guys. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up that pick just for, the, shedding the, one the year. shedding the contract it's only a one-year deal like it's not like i mean you had to give up a two to shed three years of gossip bear right yeah I, i'm not giving up a one to shed one year of van reemsdyk it's exactly just, it doesn't make any Hell sense no. um although that's what i heard <laughs> so it's kind of like yeah. well, that's, it's what chuck does okay fine but i agree with ant that it, yeah if you're going to do that get a pick back and the team that i look at more than arizona is i look at seattle who has basically 
come out publicly saying that they're open for this business of, of taking on contracts and they've got a ton of extra picks and they're a team that has let's say um you know they have winnipeg second round pick in 23 is that one a little bit more attractive because it's the 23 draft which is a deeper draft than 22 um yeah they have four picks in 22 they could give you a second rounder this year which is not as deep a draft um but you look at it and say okay maybe i'll maybe i would do it take that second rounder in 23 back from seattle and and have him go there then i would say i think anthony's on to something i think that that's a pretty pretty fair trade-off because uh the first round pick in 24 like even though it's top like you said it is top 10 protected but let's assume that florida stays relevant you're looking at that pick probably being down in that 28 to 32 range yeah in 24 uh, basically you're saying okay well we'll 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 move it back to 42 but move it up to 23 in, in, in a draft that you feel really good about too and a draft that you feel better about like i think yeah. that that's i think that that's value i think that that's inherent value and you're getting a team to take the contract for nothing bang i do it yeah and it. and seattle perhaps gets two new jersey residents and james van reemsdyke and johnny gaudreau because pierre lebron reported last night that on insider trading that that's a possible destination for gaudreau they appear like they got a ton of cap space and they want to get in the mix. New Jersey is another team that's got a ton of cap space, although Jack Hughes' $8 million contract kicks in next year, even though Subans comes off for the New Jersey Devils. So, uh, so much. We could go on for days, and, and there, there's a lot going on, and this coaching thing's crazy. Uh, a lot of storylines as the conference finals continue. Boys, excellent work as always. We bring in the, uh, the Paisan line. I'm not the Paisan. They, they stick the Irishman in the middle. Skate some Paisans on the wing. Anthony well, DeMarco. You, well, you remember, Jay, just real quick. You remember back in the day um, when Murray Craven was between Pelly Eklund and Ilka Sinisalo, they would call him Pekka. That was his nickname, was Pekka as the center between a Swede and a Finn. So, you know, you could be some kind of honorary Italian thing. We could do something with Mertidis, just add a, a, an O to the end or something. We'll figure it out. Yeah, my, could be- the O at the end was removed on Ellis Island. <laughs> Martito. Hey, Jason Martito. Ellis Island. I love it. Uh, Boys, uh, Anthony DeMarco, read his stuff at thefourthperiod.com. What is it? Give me the website. Uh, Thefourthperiod.com. Okay, I got it right. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, Anthony Sanfilippo. You can read his work on crossingbroad.com, all the latest news, plus uh, Snow the Goalie podcast, and much, much more. You got the baseball podcast. Tons going on, boys. Thanks for doing this, guys. We'll talk again soon. Yep, sounds good, Jay. Thanks for having me. There Take it easy, are. boys. There's Anthony Sanfilippo, Anthony DeMarco on another edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. You got the Bet Parks app? Where are you going to put the dough? Let's go to another Paisan. We got the man. We do it every Thursday. A little something we call Tones. There he is. Tone, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? You got DeMarco, San Filippo, and Juliano. Holy cow. <laughs> I've got my uh, Italian-American quotient met for the month. <laughs> uh, great to have those guys on. Great to have you on, as always. Conference finals continue. We end up with the sweep out there in the Western Conference. McDavid, yeah. Dreisaitl playing with Ooh. a high ankle sprain. That's 
I got to tell you, the dude just gutted it. It was impressive. And he's still, yeah, he's still rack, racking up the points too. You know, since what the Seth. end of the uh, first round, he had that injury, right? Yeah, amazing. He couldn't even move. He's just mm-hmm. trying to find a way, and good, good on him for for doing what he did. Um, yeah. And this Rangers Tampa series, it's been a series of home ice so far, and the Rangers right now are banged up. No Strom. Um, they're dealing with Hedo got hurt in that last game. Are they going to get mm-hmm. him back? Is Braden Point going to return? Vasilevsky looked like Vassy for the first time in this series in game four. Um, so it's going to be fascinating. So obviously the NHL plays will be there year to date. How about plus 26.39 units? And let's get to your first play. Tampa on the road tonight at the Garden dealing with those injuries and looking to take a pivotal game five minus 130 on the road. Is this you reading the line as them as the favorite on the road to win this game tonight? Yeah, I think the Rangers had their chance in game three. They were up 2 nothing, and they let that slip yep. away. The Bolts had new life. Um, it's, I, I think this, honestly, I think the series is, uh, is going to end in six with Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay, they stay out of the box, they're going to win win the series. Uh, it's 5-on-5, five five, they expected 1.42, uh, 11.42 goals for and 7.16 goals against. And high danger chances, fifty-four to thirty-eight at five-on-five hockey. So they stay out of the box. Rangers power play seventeen goals leads the playoffs. As long as the Bulls can stay out of the box, I think they're gonna they're gonna uh, escape with the win here over the next two games. Wow, it's it, the Rangers. I agree. That was the the golden opportunity in that mm-hmm. game. You're up two nothing, but that gutty team finds a way to come back and win that game. They win it three two on that Palak goal. Yep. Boy, he's been a, just an absolute monster. Palat, seventh round pick. Yeah, it's kind of the kind of player that you love in playoff hockey, man. He's, he's gonna he's gonna grind it out. You know, he's playing on that top line with those two big boys. And, you know, yep. he's he's racking up the points too. So, Cooch, playing with Cooch is not a bad bad assignment. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's go to the play number two here, and I love this play. It's you have it at a first period draw. Now you're getting plus one sixty eight here. So you think this is kind of two teams feeling each other out in this very important game? Plus goaltending will be strong in that period. Yeah, it's kind of like I took this in game one and it hit uh, the one one score. I'm kind of expecting a zero zero score tonight. Kind of the same thing. Like game one, feel out process. Now it's down to best of three. Game five, feel out process. I think I had this in the Rangers Carolina um, series in game five as well. I like the value of it plus one sixty eight. You know. Um, you can find maybe the first 10 under zero goals. Um, I think that's like minus 105 at some books. That's, that's a decent play too, but you know me, I'm going for the value here. So I'm going at the 168 for the draw. Yeah. If you want the, if you want the good value, you take it. So, yeah. but by your logic tone, if you know, game five in a two, two series, and if the team that wins game five, I mean, the chances of them winning that series are North of 70% of the time uh, to go up three games to two it's even more pronounced when the team that wins game five wins it on the road and is returning mm-hmm. home to close it out. So you got Tampa then going to the final. Do you like any futures plays here for, uh, you know, the Stanley cup final? Do you like, is Colorado a team that you feel is, is live here to win this cup, no matter who they play? Cause they're not going to be in a position where they have the goaltending advantage. Right. And with Kadri, I would probably say yes. Mm-hmm. There's a chance Kadri, he'll come back, but he's dealing with the he had surgery on the finger on Monday. Yeah, I mean that injury is going to hurt him. And then, like you said, with the with, with the goaltending, um, <laughs> that's tough, man. I was thinking about that last night talking to a couple friends. If it was you know Colorado, Tampa Bay, who would uh, it would be a great series, you know, obviously. But 
I don't know, man. I have to think about that. I, I mean, you can't count the, the chance out, you know, especially if they get point back. I mean, you know, Bazzi is Bazzi. Like, it's, it'd be a very interesting series because the Bolts can shut it down. Colorado can, you know, obviously play any any style. Um, yeah, but the goaltending edge right there. And then with Kadri, even if he does come back, not 100%. I don't know, man. If there's if a couple, you know, maybe future Smythe props, Vasilevsky to win the um, the Smythe, McKinnon to win the Smythe. I think, McCarr. you know, in that series, McCarr is a good bet too. I mean, if Tampa Bay wins the cup, it's going to be Vasilevsky. No doubt in my mind, is going to win the Smythe. Um, Unless Cooch just side, has a huge end of this series and has a huge final. possible. Right, which is possible. But I think if they're going to beat Colorado, it's going to be on Vasilevsky. Um, yeah. And then on the other side, like like you said, McCarr or McKinnon are, are probably decent bets. I haven't looked at the odds, um, but those three off the top of my head I would look at. Yeah, I mean, obviously right now you look at the, the cup final odds, the team to win the cup, and Colorado is minus 220, but that's because the Eastern Conference has not been decided. So Tampa Bay is right. at plus 350. That's not plus 350 against minus 220 because right. – they still had to get through the Rangers. Rangers are plus 600. So we'll right. see how the odds play out once we get to uh, the final two teams here. But your two plays again for Tones Takes this week. Tampa Bay minus 130 in a pivotal game five on the road. They're the favorite at the Garden. And then play number two, a first period draw. Cautious start to this game. You're getting good value here at plus 168. Tone, as always, man, thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you next week. And uh, we'll be in the cup final at that point. Absolutely, man. I can't wait. Thanks, Jason. There he is. Tone. And another edition of Tones Takes here on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. It's going to be a very intriguing game tonight. And boy, the Rangers did squander that opportunity in game three, being up to nothing in that game. Tampa comes all the way back. They end up getting that winner with, I think, 40 some seconds left on Palat's goal after that just incredible pass from Kucherov to Palat. And he beat Shesterkin. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. So thanks to the trifecta of Anthony's. We had San Filippo. We had DeMarco and Uliano and Tones Takes. Uh, grab the Bet Parks app. Grab it. It's fantastic. It's the greatest casino and sportsbook app you're going to find. Simple to use. Simple to navigate. Check it out. All different things to bet on. The great thing about the playoffs and when you get down to the really the nitty gritty here, it's almost like the, the Super Bowl, is that there's even more stuff to bet on props and player performances and in-game betting and next guy to score in a game, which is something I've been getting into first to score exact score, uh, same game parlays, but all kinds of different stuff to, to check out. So you got the finals going on in hoops. You got the conference final going on still in hockey and soon the cup final. So take it from me, the bet parks app is everything you have wanted in a mobile casino and sports book. And it's right in your pocket. Easy to sign up, easy to use, easy to win, and faster to win than ever before. And right now, all Bet Parks users can use that promo code Jason750. Jason750. Use that promo code and you'll get a risk free bet up to $750. That's for new and existing users. Terms and conditions to apply. So, again, promo code Jason750. Do yourself a huge favor. Enjoy these playoffs next level. Download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So as the world turns with the coaching situation in the NHL, we'll keep an ear to the ground on that. We could have a pop-up episode if we get some breaking news as well. Leave us a rating and review if you're uh, uh, an on-demand um, consumer 
on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is. Uh, leave us a rating and review. That'll help other hockey fans find this content. Everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on another brand new edition. It'll be episode 51 of Bet Parks Presents. Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great weekend.